Assalamualaikum. Welcome back. We are back with an episode of That's Haram. Corey is here with me as always, and we are going to regale you with our opinions about comics, which is nothing new. In uh, specifically, last episode, we talked about the MCU's Miss Marvel based on Kamala Khan. So now we're kind of going back to the comics canon, talking a little bit about her. A few other characters that also happen to be Muslim heroes in Marvel, and then which one we think might have the best chance of an adaptation that doesn't require extensive, extensive rewrites because of their really problematic comics canon history. <laughs> so yeah, problematic is a is a good catch-all for. Yes. Well, okay. Let me let me rewind for a second to say that like most of the comics world that we have accessible from Marvel and DC characters are going through it. They are essentially living through every soap opera trope, but in like a bizarre way. And so all of the characters are dealing with some stuff. But we're going to talk about one whose entire backstory is a little bit it's fascinating, for lack of a better word. And to adapt that, I think would be possible and doable but it would require i think picking a very specific moment in time or you know it would mean that whoever is in charge of that movie or tv show or whatever would just have to be very inventive which we don't really get to see a lot in comics which we discussed as well with our last episode but this then, is really Corey's show today yeah. so i'm gonna let her take it i will say there are some that i'm just like you would have to completely redo the character <laughs> they're mm-hmm, just that absolutely. bad which is one we're going to touch on. The one that I think they absolutely, unless they just completely rewrite the character, should not touch with a 10-foot pole of trying to do that backstory for the MCU. But let's start off with Kamala Khan. I had talked about, um, in the last episode, her original comics canon story, context with real-world shenanigans, The MCU and Disney did not have the rights to use mutants and or X-Men in any live action show. So pre-merger, they decided they were going to throw all the chips in on trying to make Inhumans happen. And Inhumans did not happen. So we had this very colorfully-ish kind of fail well done in Kamala Khan's MCU story that we both thought was like, why do we have this kind of villainous family in here that came out of nowhere? Uh, Only to find out that she is spoilers, turn away. Okay. You had your chance. A mutant. Again, go listen to the previous episode for full thoughts on that in the comics. However, Because this was like 2014 and we are very far away from the merger, they decided she's going to be an inhuman. And the way they have this done in the comics is high key problematic. So problematic. So the inhumans led by (sighs) Black Bolt Medusa. I'm I'm not an inhumans (laughs) fan. I'm just, this pains me to say this. Anyways, they detonate a giant, basically a giant Terrigan mist. That's what makes regular people who have the inhuman gene manifest their powers. It is detonated globally because the inhumans are fighting with the X-Men and they decide they're just going to let this rip to bolster their numbers. Well, side effect, the Terrigan mist is lethal to mutants. So they also committed planetary genocide against mutant kind. (laughs) That's your hero, folks fine totally okay very acceptable yes so that's how kamala gets her powers and i'm honestly that's why in the last episode i was like you know what i'm okay with them making her a mutant that really kind of sidesteps a really really shitty thing the comics did however in the comics canon they really they have her slightly introduced to the Inhumans, just so at the beginning we kind of get a little explanation of her powers. And after that, she's slowly peeled away and peeled away and peeled away and has her own team and interacts with mutants more. And you can tell they're really trying to just like sidestep the Inhuman thing (laughs) a little bit. 
but that is where she gets her powers in the comics. It is this thing that she has genetically. We find out later that her older brother actually also does have those powers too. He just doesn't go use them to do daring do like his little sister does. And <laughs> the comics is all about Kamala being a teenager and Kamala wanting to be a hero and learning that sometimes there's no easy answer and learning that sometimes it's hard and people are not going to like you, even though you didn't even do anything for them to like you. It's just that sometimes it sucks and sometimes you have to lie to your family. And this is one of the other things I said I liked about the MCU version of they came out of the gate with her family knowing pretty early on who she was and what she was doing. This doesn't happen in canon comics until the world literally ends and it comes back and you find out like her mom figured it out pretty quickly. And there's a beautiful, beautiful scene where she's just like, if the worst thing you do is sneak out at night to go help those in need, then I thank God for having raised a righteous child. Right, right. And then post- the apocalyptic giant Marvel event that I'm not even going to mention because it sucks. <clears throat> we come back and her family knows and we kind of get this nice balance that we don't really see in a lot of other comics about you have a young person with their family knowing what they're doing and trying to support them and find this happy medium of, yes, our daughter is helping people. Our daughter is doing something righteous but she's still our daughter and she's going to burn out she's putting herself in danger so it's right. this really lovely threading of how all of that gets balanced there's an entire arc of just kamala needing to not be miss marvel mm-hmm. and her parents are like all right we'll send you across town we'll put you in that private school you can get your own break from it And they just support her in it. I mean, yes, her friends are like, she's gone. Miss Marvel's gone. We have to be Miss Marvel. The entire thing happens. The actual Captain Marvel has to come in. Like, what in the world is going on? And Kamala kind of realizes, (laughs) oh, I have people who want to help me in this. I don't have to shoulder this all alone. And it's just, it's this wonderful, and this is what I'm hoping for the MCU, this buildup of like being a hero doesn't have to be one lone person atop the mountain Mm -hmm. being a hero is a family endeavor of like maybe one person is going out to do the daring do but who's there for them when they get home who helps them unload who helps them find balance who supports them in what they're doing and that's what i think is really unique about kamala khan of like kamala's not an island yes she goes off and Mm -hmm. she has her superhero teams and she has all that but her family is constantly a presence her friends are constantly a presence it's like kamala is not a superhero island so where is miss marvel i'm sorry well i was just going to ask where are the comics now with miss marvel i mean obviously i know there's been what is it champions and there's been a bunch of other stuff but i am very behind because i don't have time to read anything anymore so where are the where are the comics with her now like what's happening in her life oh if there's like a just quick, you know, summary, maybe there's not. That's totally okay. But I was just wondering. Well, she recently had the Miss Marvel Beyond the Limit. And that this is like okay. the most recent one. That's with um, Samira Ahmed, I believe is her name. Yes, yes. And this, I mean, again, it involves family she's visiting her cousin in chicago uh stumbles upon a robbery at a physics lab you know shenanigans and hijinks ensue that she has to fix then because it's kamala and she's still a little bit of a disaster and you know i mean it's just this things happen she's got to fix them for some reason, she goes home and everything's a Bollywood set, and she's got to figure out why everyone's singing. <laughs> How am I, I too to stop like this? to just wake up and know that things are a Bollywood set? Um, so yeah, that was like a 
I think it's on issue four, I think four, five, four, five, five. Let's say five. Let's say it's on issue five and I'm right. I think it was a five issue run. Okay, cool. So that's the most recent one that I really kind of followed. I mean, I do follow a lot of comics and there's been a lot of stuff going on. So I sometimes have to put things to the side and then do weekend long binge reads to catch up. No, that's super valid. That's partly why I asked because, so, you know, when Corey and I were planning this episode, I said, I know what's going on in the comics in a very broad sense. And I've read enough snippets of issues here and there, but I have not read an entire comic issue front to back in, I don't even know how many years, a lot of years, like, well, I don't know. I think I read Miss Marvel's like first issue when it first came out, but I don't know when that was. So however many years that's been. <laughs> um, so it's always interesting to read about comics and kind of take in a lot of things via osmosis because there's just so many issues and so many runs and it's all really cool and wonderful. And my brain just goes too much information, just going to read the Wikipedia and stay caught up that way. Well, the but other... then the problem is <laughs> Wikipedia isn't always a hundred percent you know, line by line summarizing anything so that I will miss Mm -hmm. certain things. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that happened. Well, and the other issue is Kamala is a character that has become so popular that she's in multiple pieces. So it's not just like, oh, she's got a story, her own solo book. It's like she's in team issues. And like that stuff adds up after a while and it can get expensive and I am not made of money. So I follow. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I've been on this unlimited uh kindle unlimited binge because i got like the free deal but once that's done i'm not reading any more books unless they come from my library Hashtag yeah. phd student life well i know i have it just came out on paperback i think this week actually was it miss marvel generations with g willow wilson back and um mm-hmm. oh who's the other one e l no eve 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 ewings ewing sorry Please don't hurt me, people who are listening to this. Um, <laughs> it's okay. There's a lot of names and you got it right at the end of the day. Yes. Um, so yeah, like there's just, there's a lot with Kamala out there. Like there's her limited runs, there's champions, there's stuff she shows up in, uh, in other places. It's just, if you want to read Kamala, she's a popular enough character and she's in enough stuff that it's not going to be hard to find content. Yeah. But I also think, and I'm not surprised that they decided, oh, we should absolutely put her into the MCU, not just because you've got the Captain Marvel link, but also because her origin story is very screen friendly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as far as unproblematic characters go, Kamala Khan is probably near the top of that hill. She was conceived by and written by Muslim women. Um, She came about and was drawn by people who were not still clinging to the cheesecake era of comics. She has a very accessible background. There's not a trauma conga line going on there. It's just she's a very accessible, easy to root for teenage superhero. But she's not the only Muslim Marvel superhero. So I got to thinking, you know, who else could possibly come see a MCU feature? Maybe not their own film, but we could maybe see them in something. Mm -hmm. And then who I think that they uh, shouldn't try to touch with a 10-foot pole unless they just want to completely redo their background. And at that point, what what are we doing? Why are we just not making a new character, you know? To, part of the issue, I think, is comics broadly. The Hold on. How do I say this? So the TV shows and the movies, there's been multiple years and years of discussion of things like, Why are the comics movies so dark? Why are things not accessible to the viewers? Why do I have to watch all 73 movies in the MCU to know what's going on? And free time, we have a big Avengers group. So there's that side of it. And then I also think there's a side of it where 
comics are really ridiculous and they don't really follow any sense of logic and every time I turn around and ask a friend to explain what's going on it's just the conspiracy gifs right all of the people with the conspiracy wall so I think in some ways you can take characters who have a long laundry list or as you just said the conga line which is hilarious and terrible of the things in their backgrounds and not necessarily have to show them on screen while still giving the essence of this character has definitely seen it or been through it and just let it be a showcase for that character's experiences like had the Constantine show that was originally planned continued or if I don't know if the Zatanna show I mean I know we're talking about Marvel but they just came to mind because of HBO Max and everything going on with WB if those shows were still going to happen there's a lot of stuff in their backstories that are pretty whack and so how do you do that in origin story or if it's just picking up in the middle of their life I also you made a point earlier that I wanted to go back to about accessibility and her being a teenage character the MCU at this point now at least on Disney we've kind of got like a full spectrum of like young characters older characters characters kind of you know, figuring out that like she helped, like she's doing her job, right? So we've got that whole perspective. And then we've got characters who are kind of not necessarily, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like super old or anything, but th there's enough of a spectrum now that we've kind of seen their approach to each life stage, if you will, except for elderly. <laughs> and I don't really, I mean, I guess, I don't know, they could do another show of like Magneto or Xavier. They're pretty old in my head. I don't know how old they are. This is how bad I know I am about comics, right? I don't know how old anybody is. In my head, they're all like grown or like children. So, you know, I think in that context, there's a way to tell these stories. But what happens is then you get the people who are online and really, 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 really into the knowledge of the comics and know everything who get really mad if one detail gets dropped. And I think mm -hmm. that's where for the people in charge of these shows and movies, the balance between we want this to be accessible to the entire audience because we're making money or want to make money and we want to have enough easter eggs for the folks who are really passionate to feel excited about oh I recognize this you know picture I recognize that logo or oh my gosh this is connected to that one thing over there which I think is really interesting when you think about comics because they're so broad and there's so much happening in them trying to tell you know there's there's so many books and um what's the word anthologies right just to talk about like what's happening in the history of a specific character so then trying to tell that story I think is very interesting I mean so I'm not saying it can't be done obviously yeah. Black Panther with Nakia and M'Baku their original right, comics absolutely. character stories were you know high high key problematic and they just kind of organically rewrote them to fit them in but they also weren't the titular character so right, I mean, exactly. there is room to move in. Like if you're not going to make them a titular character, then yes, you could reintroduce them and do it that way. But before we get off on a tangent, I made a small <laughs> list and I'm going to go down this list. I'm going to tell you what is going to be the whoopsies area. And if I think they should try it, and then I'm going to list the one character I think needs to be given her own series now. And can just punt Dane Whitman in the booty and do her own thing. Okay. Those of you who are comics fans it. know immediately when I said Dane Whitman, you know immediately who I'm talking about, but I'm going to save her for the end. So without further ado, here's my list. And this one I'm going to start off with, I haven't even told Sahara about. So, oh gosh, fear. <laughs> Josiah X. So Josiah X, uh, his is a black character the uh -huh. costume looks like it's completely riffed off of captain america he was the son of isaiah bradley and if you did watch uh falcon and the winter soldier you would have seen isaiah bradley was the result of the u.s army's desire to make more captain americas and then of course they like the tuskegee experiments experimented on black men <clears throat> So this, however, focuses on his son, Josiah, and Josiah lived as a mercenary and just killed a boatload of people because he liked the money. And then he reverted to Islam and became a hero. That is a little loaded. And all of a sudden, I think if you didn't pick up before, there's a reason he goes by Josiah X. Right. Um, I think it could be done. 
I think it could possibly done, be done compellingly. I don't see him coming to the MCU because the MCU is still predominantly white and they've already introduced Isaiah Bradley and another familial character for him. I don't see that they would particularly want to give more space to another black character because white people are still going to be racist. <clears throat> Anyways, moving on. I think it could be compelling and I think it could be a compelling story because you so often see in media that, Oh, Islam is the religion of terror and violence. And mm -hmm. this is a story that directly counteracts and pushes back against that. I think it, that could be compelling. I just, they're already doing black Panther. I just don't see that the MCU is going to think that they need to have this character in there. Yeah, and I could see if, if you know, they show more of Isaiah's story. Like, I could see, like, a random, like, flash forward or an Easter. Again, I think there's a lot of room for a lot of characters to be hinted at. But it's mm -hmm. so hard to know because I think that part of the issue is that we have, you know, the public, here are the phases, here's what's coming up in the next few years. And then with the pandemic... All of our conversations now are within that context, but especially with media making all of the plans that they had any not just not just MCU, but any studio had for movies or shows or what have you have been really altered. And so what could have been a plan for, say, by 2030, we're going to have all of these characters who've shown up are going to do the massive. I mean, I assume that they're planning on some level of X-Men um, Marvel superhero crossover shenanigans because Fantastic Four has been brought up a billion, million times, et cetera, et cetera. But then now, you know, with, for example, Blade is currently on pause because the director left. So now they find a new director. And I do, you know, I don't trust Kevin as far as I can throw him. And because I still have not gone strong enough to throw a man, that is not very far. Um, however, I do appreciate that they paused instead of just continuing pre-production and then being like, never mind, this movie's never going to happen. And I hope that they're able to find the proper director that will be the right fit for this film and let Blade happen because Maharshala Ali is Muslim. So mm -hmm. that would mean Blade in some capacity, if they decide to play it that way, could also be Muslim, which would be really cool for obvious reasons. And that'll be a, you know, another podcast episode for another year. But because of that, it's really interesting to think about you know, I remember reading, so Ms. Marvel, obviously we talked about this last month, there was a lot of things that they planned that they had to get rid of, but even with Winter Soldier and the follow-up with the show with Bucky and Sam, and then because of that with Isaiah, now I feel like there's just, there's room for these characters to definitely show up in some capacity. It's just going to be either not at all like Corey and I wanted to be, or it's going to be super unexpected and we're going to be going, huh? okay, I guess they can see where that came from. And so it's really hard to really know without more public information what's going on in their heads. And I think partly too, with the way that MCU has grown and the way that it's pretty much, you know, taken over the box office, whether they do a TV show or they do more movies, I, I could see them, especially now with what's been going on with the streaming universe, decide to pivot to even more TV shows and then do another, you know, six episode of this or four episode of that. Or like the um, film that just came out. Oh, gosh, what's it called? The one with the werewolf? Yeah, I know you what you're talking, talking about? about. I'm wanting to say just... werewolf tonight, but I know that's not what it is. All right, Google time. Uh, I just know that it's short and I thought that it was Werewolf by Night. There we go. <laughs> I was close. So, yeah, so I had thought that that was going to be a TV show, but it ended up just being like a fun special and everyone that I know that has seen it actually really enjoyed it. And so like that could be a perfect way to do these stories where if they're not going to invest the time and the effort and the money into the six episode, eight episode, whatever, which is fine. Like I'd rather have one hour long or two hour long really solid piece than six episodes of nonsense obviously that I think could be a really cool way to do that or I mean honestly I think in some ways and this might end up going back to what you were going to say since I interrupted um is that with characters like Josiah X or just other characters who maybe aren't going to get a whole tv show it'd be really cool to get more anthology pieces like what if and mm. I could see more characters showing up that way and with animation it allows for a lot more room for really interesting approaches to telling the story if that makes sense yeah and i think again josiah x is a lot easier to adapt than the next two i'm going to talk about um 
again, it's just the issue of I don't know that Marvel necessarily would want to invest him. So if we do see him, I see it being like Sahara said, is like maybe an anthology. What if? Um, I do want to move along, though, because our next one and our one after that, we are going to be talking about a little bit. Uh, number two, moving down the scale of less likely this a it's a mutant. So we still have to see how the MCU is going to incorporate the X-Men and all that. Also, I'm talking about dust or Soraya <laughs> Kadir. Um Here's where we start getting into the, I can tell somebody came up with this character thinking they were really saying something and not realizing the egregious stereotypes they were writing because she was born in Afghanistan and her entire backstory is I was kidnapped and sold into slavery as a child. Well, you know, when you've got two white people writing it, there's always an adventure. And then she's rescued by Wolverine of all people and eventually, you know, finds her way to the X-Men. She's. Um, they do a better job later about discussing why she chooses to dress the way she does by wearing full. Um, niqab. Yeah, niqab. I think later in the comics, when more, uh, we'll say, enlightened people begin to write her, it is, you know, and she talks about why she chooses to wear niqab, and she's just like, no, I, I choose to wear this. It's not because I don't feel safe. It's because I want to. And they even show there's a period of the X-Men are fighting, and she gets hit, I think it was like a stray beam or something, and it just completely blows off part of her niqab and her teammates literally one of them leaves the fight to take her back so she can cover herself and not be exposed because they respect her that much at this point because when she first got there it was very much um this kind of weird exotic other trope that mm -hmm. we've talked about on here before and i think she's evolved better as a character I think they could use her. I would hope that they leave out the uh, initial origin story. I do think there are some real world developments that they may be a little more um, hesitant to, about. Yes. <laughs> or hesitant to try to wade into. I think as better writers have utilized her, she's become a much more well-rounded character and not this Muslim stereotypical nonsense that she started out as. Also, colorers, inkers, anybody who is working on her, just because she wears a niqab does not mean that you can skimp on some time and just make her white on the little bits of skin that show. That's not how this works. All right, I'm sorry. We're fine. It's fine. It's not fine, actually. No, stop doing that. Anyways. <clears throat> Sahara. <laughs> I was just going to let you keep. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I think part of the issue with comics broadly as well is that there's a bazillion quintillion people involved. And not only in like character sense, like there are a thousand bazillion characters, but there's also a lot of people in charge. And as we have talked about, maybe we haven't talked about this this podcast, but as our writers have spoken in general with regards to comics, there's a lot of issues when different people are taking the charge and there's just a constant shift between who's able to do what. And so there's not a lot of continuity between the depictions of certain characters, which I think is a larger issue when it comes to just drawing people of color broadly. The shading never matches throughout the different stories. And I understand that some of it has to do with printers before any of you, not that we have people like that who listen to us, but if any of you are going to be like, that's the hair, the printers. No, forget the printers. When you're putting it digitally and when you're putting together the pieces and making the coloring happen, there's no reason that Soraya, who, who looks one way at her very big start of her like existence in the comics, looking like a white woman with blue eyes, not that people who are South Asian or Middle Eastern or Central Asian or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, with blue eyes, but she doesn't have that. 
So that's pretty close. And then I think the other thing too, when it comes to having Muslim characters that are characters of any background, and then especially in the US context, there is this temptation to make, we saw this with Kamala where, you know, for the writers, they're balancing, this is a story that we feel very passionate about because we are also Muslim and or South Asian or connected in some way to this background. And so we have to be thoughtful about how we write this character because now they are going to be held up as a representation of all Muslims, which is garbage. And we've talked about before. Remember all of my episodes regarding the bold type. Not going to get into that today. We don't have time. But then what happens is you can't just have characters. So we can't just have Josiah X or Soraya just hanging out, which is really frustrating because it would be really cool to just get to see them. And I mean, Soraya has been in uh, one of the animated movies before with Wolverine. And so that was pretty cool. From my recollection, this was forever ago. It was not a terrible depiction of her. But I think we just need to have more characters shown in the different mediums. And so it doesn't become the situation of, well, we've only seen Josiah X in the comics. And we've only seen Soraya in the comics in that one movie, if that makes sense. So I think the more that we see them, whether or not it's live action, it allows more and more characters to be introduced to the part of the audience that does not watch these movies other than because they like to see people beating each other up or like explosions, which is fine. I'm not opposed to that. I also like people beating each other up and looking at explosions. What I mean is that there's going to be people in the audience who have zero understanding of who these characters are beyond what they're seeing on the TV or the movie. So by allowing characters to just exist in the universe, like in the background, it allows way more of an understanding of, oh, hey, there are all of these characters that exist, whether they're Muslim or not. And I think, you know, I'm really interested to see what happens with the Spider-Verse sequel, because there's been hints at a lot of different like cameos and little Easter eggs of different characters. And so I'm interested to see who we will end up getting in that film as well, or I guess both films, because it's two parts. So there's room and I think you can talk about her and in fact you know if an Afghan writer especially a fashion Afghan writer was uh doing her adaptation into live action then you could have a really significant story Mm -hmm. being told about what's happening currently and for those of you who are like what are they talking about for example you could very easily have a story where she comes and helps Afghan refugees who have been brought to the U.S. because of the emergency evacuation that occurred however many months ago I am so bad at time right now no one asked me when I, what I ate yesterday but that would be a perfect story and in fact you know CBS had that TV show um United States of Al which got canceled and that was a whole separate thing because the actor wasn't even Afghan but that would be a perfect story that could be told of okay so what happens when refugees are being supported by one of their own right what happens when the X-Men are brought in because the X-Men have their own refugee plot as well for a lot of other pieces of their oh well I say the X-Men but just there are X-Men who have been refugees is what I meant to say there that's a really easy story to adapt very quickly and you know her talking to women who've come here because a lot of the refugees that are Afghan who have arrived here a lot of the men are on a special immigrant visas because they interpreted or otherwise helped the U.S. Um, Army and other government officials in Afghanistan. And so that's a perfect story where it's like, okay, well, Soraya has powers. She's hanging out with the women who don't speak any English that might not even speak the language her husband speaks because people were just getting their children married so that they would have stability. Now I'm going into my research world. But the point is that there's a lot of ways to adapt it if they do it right. It just has to be the right people in charge. And I think something that we've said multiple times across all of our episodes about all the media that we consume is a lot of shows, books, comics, whatever you want to call it, have really interesting kernels, but then they don't get popped into, I don't know where this analogy is going, like good popcorn. (laughs) They just get turned into like sad burnt pieces at the bottom of the bag because the folks who are in charge either aren't allowed to do what they want or they just were not the right people to pop the popcorn in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that would be my Soraya take. Corey, you may take it from there, I guess. Um, Also, how she was drawn initially, like, yes, they had the full niqab on her, but it was clinging to her curves voluptuously. They've gotten better about that, but that leads me into my gripe with the next character as well, with Monet St. Croix, which... Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into her full background because it is just absolutely fucked up. Pardon my language. I will put a link in the show notes so you can read about it. It has all the trigger warnings, like all the trigger warnings. I do not see how you could possibly bring that to the MCU and have it stand. So she is one they would have to do some significant retooling to and maybe probably be like an anthology character that shows up. 
But my big gripe is how they also initially drew Monet St. Croix. And this is not Sahara and I saying all Muslim women must always dress super modestly and never show skin. Wear what you want to wear, you know. It goes more to, especially the X-Men, for some reason, the artists on the X-Men seem to cling Misogyny. to all... Well, okay, we're going to get to that. All of the artists, especially on the X-Men, cling, for some reason, they've only started to let go of that, to that cheesecake style of drawing women. Way longer than most of the other artists I've seen that for whatever reason, mutants in comic world must be drawn bombastically and overtly exoticized if it's a woman of color to boot. Mm -hmm. So you have these iterations of Monet St. Croix with the cleavage window with her boobs about to fly out of her top and smack her in the face. With her ass sticking out. Two seconds. Can we just talk for two seconds of how much money the industries for sports bras must make when it comes to the comics universes? Because like the sheer amount of just property damage that occurs and clothing damage that occurs, and the sheer like does does Lizzo exist in the comic universe and does Yiddy exist? Because if Yiddy exists, then Mona Sakura's boobs are just fine. But if it doesn't exist and they don't have that, like. I feel for all of them because their boobs were just whacking them in the face. It's very much like the, <laughs> this is terrible. I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. I, I'm laughing because it's just so unbelievable. But those gifs from, or gifs for those of you who pronounce it that way, of anime women where, oh my gosh, I kind of want to admit it into the show notes, but also not because no one needs to see this. There's a gift that goes around when this conversation comes up, just the way women are drawn and, and animated, where like a bullet is coming from the bad guy and the woman's, <laughs> okay, the woman's breasts independently of each other move so the bullet can like pass through, which is one, literally physically impossible, right? But then two, putting aside the fact that everything in anime is physically impossible, the dedication in the context of we're going to now animate this, I think really speaks to the types of media that we have all been steeped in and so when you have characters like Mona Sakurai or and I think actually this is a really good example you Emma Frost who is known for her very revealing clothing and the way that she carries herself and the way that writers you know depict her I think there's this idea of like well I don't think I know that there's this idea that if you are scantily clad then you are thus somehow empowered but the problem is the majority of the artists who have been writing these I mean, sorry, the majority of the writers who've been writing these stories and the majority of the artists who've been drawing these characters are predominantly cis white men. And so you have this issue where even as characters are slowly drawn in a less cheesecakey way, then you have pushback from the people who are unfortunately annoying and problematic who are like, no, like you should still draw her that way. And Mona Sirkoi is a perfect example also of the skin color issue where when Corey and I were plotting this episode, there are so many pictures of Monet where she looks like five different people. And Mm. it's just really, really screwed up because you have this issue with a lot of people of color, but then also Monet Sarkoy specifically, and I wanted to point this out, you know, Soraya is is Afghan, Josiah is black, but then the issue with Soraya, I mean, sorry, my brain is all over the place. The issue with Monet is that she is French Algerian and canonically and also in the fandom like there's a huge debate about like is she identified as also as a black woman and she shows up in a lot of websites that are dedicated for black comic characters so I'm going to say the answer is yes and so if that's the case then you are having a like it's four or five layers of haram at this point when it comes to the whitewashing that's occurring and then also what that means for sexualizing a woman with what she wears and again as Corey mentioned I there are Muslims who dress all types of ways and that's not the issue here. And there are women of all backgrounds who try dress all types of ways and that's not the issue. The issue is if the only depictions of those characters or at least the popular depictions of those characters identify all X, one, X-Men women, the women in the X-Men, whatever, you get my point, <laughs> as this, you know, very specific pin up cheesecake style, then we have a lot of issues because then the women don't get to exist as real women. And I mean, look, we are all fully aware of all of those um 
pictures that go around of a certain artist who I'm not going to name whose art is terrible and is very over the top and has been, you know, traced and blah, blah, blah. But like that is then what becomes the norm for these comics women, which is really garbage. So then you add that to the fact that her story and background is chaos. And mm -hmm. like I said, every soap opera trope in the most ridiculous way, then you don't really get to have a character who is able to stand on her own feet in the context of being a character that just exists, it becomes this very specific context for we have this French Algerian woman and she's had to deal with all of this awfulness because also comics writers just love abusing their women, which is a separate episode for another day. And then what happens when you try to bring that to, excuse me, live action or animation? And in some ways, you know, this goes back to again what I said earlier, you can take characters like this and do whatever you want with them and not have to get into the backstory if they're just existing. But that requires those shows or animated movies or animated series to become more anthology style or just to dive right in. But generally speaking, the way that comics media is written, it's very origin story. It's very, you know, we're going to pick up with this person finding out that they have powers or, you know, a little bit after. And it's not until we get our big, you know, everybody's coming together, adventures, assemble type movies where it's just them dealing with whatever the issue is of the day. So then you don't really get to breathe with the characters. And, you know, that could be a separate episode as well in the context of how all of our TV characters are treated these days because of how quick things have to be produced. But I think there's room for certain characters to exist without it being, <laughs> without having to then show the comics canon. We don't need to show all of the comics canon. We can just let them live their lives and just watch them live their lives because that's what we originally wanted to do. I just think with her, I agree with Corey, there's just a lot of pieces that just don't really need to occur again. again and they could just reset <laughs> <laughs> um okay so let's end this episode on a high note the character i think you could most easily and i desperately also want to see in the mcu if you aren't a comics person and the dane whitman name drop didn't give you a clue i'm talking about dr faiza hussein she goes right now by the code name excalibur i'll get into why in just a minute she is a Pakistani British Muslim lives in Chelmsford in Essex. Uh, she's a London based Muslim doctor. She was created by Paul Cornell. However, when Paul Cornell, uh, you may know that name, uh, he also worked on Doctor Who. Paul Cornell, when he envisioned this character, he immediately realized. This cannot just be my input. So he went out and he developed the character with a panel of Muslim women. So she is very much the, you could almost say proto Kamala. She wasn't mm -hmm. quite written and developed by a Muslim person, but she was developed with the input of Muslim persons. And she is very much, uh, it was Paul Cornell was just like, I don't want her to be the pillar for the entire British Muslim community. I think superheroes are too prone to being standard bearers for whole communities. I want her to be her own person. Mm -hmm. And he really tried to veer away from, you know, the stereotypes, the cliches associated with Muslim characters. Like, yeah, she, she does wear hijab. But she is just, oh my, I love her so much. So she actually, she does have her own set of powers. Uh, back during the Skrull invasion, she was very much a superhero fanatic, much like somebody else that currently has their own MCU <laughs> show. And in the comics, she got her powers during the Skrull invasion of Earth. Um, she was trying to help the wounded in London. And she got basically hit by a scroll beam laser thing. And it gave her this really incredible power to control matter at a subatomic sub level. They refer to it as genetic manipulation, but it allows her to, in a sort of body horror way, she can dissect somebody alive if she wants. But the way she does that is she uses it to heal people. Because she's also a doctor and she can now sense and control all of this and can go in 
move whatever she needs to out of the way to heal that person. And her immediate, like, even as she got her power, she was running into danger to help people who needed help. Right. Um, you know, she's a massive cricket fan. That, that's an ongoing joke with her. Right now, she's currently in MI-13. Uh, she's a close friend of Dane Whitman, who I think is a sad sack, and I really don't ever need to need, read about him again in my life, but, you know, whatever. <clears throat> she was also the one who happened to solve his issue that was eventually going to kill him. Funny enough, it was her. That, anyways, that's neither here nor there. But now she's- Oh my with, gosh, so many things are happening in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> this is me being cranky. I'm just being salty. I think she wasted so much on Dane Whitman. Anyways, she's now with MI-13 with Captain Britain. And she goes by the code name Excalibur because she was worthy enough to wield Excalibur. That sword actually does exist in the Marvel Universe. And Dr. Fiza is worthy to bear the sword. Bad X. So... To me, I know they've talked about, like, they do want to introduce Captain Britain and his team. I think it would be very easy to slot her right in there. I totally missed that. Huh? I totally missed that they were planning to do that. Or that there had been talk about that. Yeah, they they want to. It's in discussion. It's just a matter of, like, we got to find room for it. I think she would be, make all the sense in the world to slot her in as a founding member. I think she makes all the sense in the world to slot her in as a founding member. And we do have secret invasion coming up. It could, they could easily, easily seed it by, we see this random doctor lady trying to run and help people in London and getting hit by a beam. And all of a sudden, you know, at the very end of it, we see her wake up or something. Very, very quick, easy way to introduce her. But I just love, I love, I love, I love that she gets to wield Excalibur. And this is not like alien sword Excalibur. Like this is the legendary sword of King Arthur. (laughs) You have to be worthy to wield it. Excalibur. Hashtag Camelot. Um, Like Arthur wielded it. The Black Nut, whatever. Captain Britain wielded this thing. And now it is, he drove it into rock on the london bridge and who pulls it out literally pulls it out is fiza amazing technology her her personality (laughs) stop (laughs) her personality is just she's so funny and she can sometimes have a dry sense of humor but she is just so empathetic and so caring and she is such an antithesis of some of the awful crap you see on media of muslim caricatures yeah she is like this direct antithesis to all of it and i love her and i think she would i mean i i genuinely not just because i love her as a character but i genuinely think it would be very easy to just introduce her when you're doing captain britain especially if you're going oh, for to sure let him have his own group um well, I mean, i'm trying to stop myself because i have like five pages of notes on dr hussein and we don't have enough time on the show for me to get through all of it maybe you should I don't know. You could do like a quick little article. No, I'm joking. Corey doesn't need to write any more articles. Corey is very busy editing all of our podcasts. However, I would love to learn more, but you are correct in that we could go for another 5 million years. I think what I would say is this episode is, I think, one of our most surprisingly mellow episodes. Probably think Corey was the one leading it, not me. And so when I lead, I am very intense about everything, as you all know. And if you are cranky. new to this. <laughs> I'm just cranky and I mutter under my breath about people I don't like. No, that's totally understandable. Very auntie of you. What I was going to say is that I think in the context of what is going on with our media and comics, there's a lot of room for a lot of 
diversity. And I don't mean this in a, we should just have diversity for diversity's sake. And I've never been that kind of person. And you, those of you who have read my articles or listened to any of our other episodes, we really regularly talk about how representation is the bare minimum here. And it's not revolutionary, but I just want to see more diversity in the stories that are being told. I have yet to watch She-Hulk. I don't know if I'm going to because I'm not really into comedy watching, as many of you know, but I really appreciate that it's just like a slice of life she's going to work. I think that there just needs to be more episodes and content and books, whatever, everything of our characters in the superhero world just kind of living. Like, yes, it's fun to see them beat the crap out of bad guys, and there's that epic moment of where they win, and it's like, oh my gosh, they did it, but also like more shawarma dinners or whatever happens to that one movie that I actually haven't seen I just know that from osmosis like like more just fun more people just talking to one another yes it's Dr. Faiza or Soraya or even Monet or whoever and Josiah that kind of rhymed in a roundabout way can have their moments of taking down the bad guys and dealing with the larger issues of the universe but also they can just they can just exist as Muslim characters and I would say that Mm -hmm. for any you know again fill in the blank identifying part of their character making them different than a cis white man here existing without overly stereotyped backstories or character traits i i I feel like we need to make that very mandatory caveat exactly if you're gonna do it do it right don't be lazy or racist or both just don't be terrible. It's the bar is literally underground. It does not, the bar take, is in hell. Not, okay, let, let's not sugarcoat this. The bar is in hell. Literally, you have to do just a step above hell. Okay? Like, we're not even asking for a whole lot here. <laughs> we're not even asking you to play limbo. It's literally just stepping over the dang bar. So, yeah. But I think ultimately, what we would. <laughs> it's it's really we just want to see better content and we want to see better depictions of muslims and we will be very excited next month to talk about dr who and this current iteration of the doctor i will miss her wrapping up and where yaz ends up in the final special that is airing at some point in the next two weeks question mark time is fake so <laughs> with that being said we have a lot of other podcasts and you know where to find them we're not even going to do the whole sh- spiel unless Corey wants to I always leave one out because I'm a terrible person so I'm just gonna say go listen to our podcast you know where to find us and we look forward to talking to you all about Doctor Who and hope that this episode was interesting and informative and then in December it'll be a surprise so thank you for listening we appreciate all of our listeners from all over the world listening to me and Corey just talking about our feelings because we are podcast bros but not really Corey if you have anything else you want to add I am happy to sign off on that so Happy Halloween to everybody who celebrates. There we go. Perfect. And of course, wear your mask. Be safe. Assalamu alaikum.